Hello, welcome to the Heme Sapien podcast, where diverse perspectives in healthcare converge. My name is Kalen Bunch, and I will be discussing bioprospecting and its effects on the future of healthcare. In labs around the world, there is this blue liquid that is used to detect harmful pathogens. At $60,000 per gallon, this valuable substance has saved lives as it's been used to test for trace amounts of bacteria in almost every drug certified by the FDA. The cells in the substance can detect these bacteria and immobilize them in clots. Now this might seem like something straight out of science fiction, but it's not an invention, it's a discovery. This substance is actually extracted from the blood of horseshoe crabs. This is an excellent example of what bioprospecting is. Now, the Oxford Dictionary defines bioprospecting as the search for plant and animal species from which medicinal drugs, biochemicals, and other commercially valuable material can be obtained. The practice of using plants and animals as medicine has actually been around for thousands of years. Now this likely started out uh, through trial and error with the earliest known recordings of medicine being from ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia. At this time, it was simply understood that these treatments worked, but it wasn't really understood how they worked. And then as biology materialized as a field of science, people began to have a better grasp on the relationship that these treatments had with their bodies and medicine was able to evolve at a quicker rate. In the 1500s, people used opium, which is sap from a poppy plant, to treat pain. This was later extracted, and it became the first pharmaceutical medicine as we know it today. And since then, the discovery of useful species has been kind of the driving force of new treatments and pharmaceuticals that hit the market. And there are a lot of ideals that surround bioprospecting. And these ideals are what interested me in the topic and and why I want to talk about it in this podcast. Personally, I am fascinated by the concept of being creative and using nature um, and naturally occurring life to improve medicine. And every day, as we learn more about ourselves and the world around us, we can theorize how these two things can interact in ways that can improve the quality of human life. I also think that there are some ways that we can hack nature that are very, very interesting. For example, certain things that have evolved to be harmful to humans can actually be used in healthcare. There's been a lot of recent research on components in scorpion, cobra, and cone snail venom uh, with hopes of producing non-addictive painkillers. Now, the potential for creating new medicines with these substances has actually made them some of the most expensive substances ever. The greatest appeals of bioprospecting, at least to me, are the ideals that come to mind when you think about bioprospecting. For example, when someone pictures bioprospecting, you think of innovation, advancing humanity, resourcefulness and creativity, and really just using what nature has given us to help people. There are other ideals that surround bioprospecting too, and these kind of center around the reward that comes from bioprospecting. Bioprospecting, like even in the name, you have this word prospecting. That makes me at least think of, you know, like prospectors. Way back in the day, they were like looking for gold, especially during like the gold rush in California, in hopes of of making it big, right? That was their that was their main goal. And you can actually draw a lot of parallels between 
that time period and kind of the the biotech boom that's that's kind of seeing its birth in the west coast right now there's a little there's a little biotech boom and a lot of people are are driven to that because of the promise that it brings and this promise of wealth really comes from patenting and so i'm going to talk a little bit about patenting now patenting is essentially what draws a lot of companies into bioprospecting and it offers the incentive and essentially what it is is it gives you the right to intellectual property um, intellectual property is defined as intellectual creations on which creators have a monopoly guaranteed by law so essentially these patents give the people that discover um, or create certain things the ability to have a monopoly on it and to, to make as much money as that thing is worth. And while patenting has already been a practice in the United States for a very long time, uh, it's, it's actually referenced in the Constitution. Uh, much of patenting today can be traced back to the Patent Act of 1952, which really simplified the process and tried to answer a lot of ambiguous questions about you know what can, what can't be patented. And so, so bear with me, I'm going to go into a little bit of history here, but I think it's it's important in understanding the climate in bioprospecting and even even uh, healthcare today. Section 101 of the Patent Act says, and I quote, "Whoever invents or discovers any new and useful process, machine, manufacture, or composition of matter, or any new and useful improvement thereof." may obtain a patent, therefore, subject to the conditions and requirements of this title. So basically, uh, anything can be patentable, right? It says any useful process, machine, manufacturer, composition of matter, or improvement, right? And that's very, very broad. And that's, that's problematic, right? Because if anything can be patented, eventually everything will be patented. And then people won't have like public rights to anything. And this was realized way back in, in 1889. And it was addressed again more clearly by the Supreme Court in a case in 1980 where they stated, and I, I paraphrase here, manifestations of nature are free to all men and reserved exclusively to none. And this became known as the product of nature doctrine, which basically says, Anything that is naturally occurring or occurs in nature is it can't be subject to patent. No one can patent that. That is something that should be available to everyone. Also, in 1980, the Bayh Dole Act was passed, which allowed federal contractors and those receiving grants the ownership of patents resulting from research. So, labs that received funding from the government or got grants from the government could still make money off of patents from their research. And this act really arose from a Cold War era desire to be competitive in global innovation and, and scientific discovery. And it worked. So patenting does have pros. Uh, it incentivizes discovery and innovation, especially in universities because of the Bayh-Dole Act. A lot of professors that are really uh, dedicated and interested in research actually have their own patents or are working towards their own patents. One example of the good that patents can have is with, with vaccines. 
you don't have to look too far, especially like with the COVID-19 pandemic. Companies knew that there was a huge market for these vaccines and they were able to create them so quickly in part because of the incentive that they would be able to make a lot of money from these vaccines. And they were able to make the COVID-19 vaccine at a very, very accelerated rate. However, there are some cons to patenting. And a lot of these I'll get more into with my criticisms of bioprospecting. But right now, um, one of the cons arises from this monopoly, and that is that you restrict the freedom that other people have to use this product. And that can, that can restrict further innovation, right? And also, high prices can arise from these monopolies. Because when you control a product, you can essentially set the price of it. And this is especially problematic in healthcare with very, very high prices of drugs. Um, one really prevalent example is insulin, right? Um, because it's patented and because there is such a demand, right? If you suffer from diabetes, you, you need insulin. It's not, it's not really something you, you can't have. Um, pharmaceutical companies are able to charge extremely high prices. It almost seems, uh, it almost seems like they're manipulating and, and taking advantage of these people. And that brings me to my last con um, in healthcare is that it makes health um, seem more like a product and less like a universal right. So how do patents get around this product of nature doctrine in bioprospecting? Um, there, there are a couple ways. The first is you synthesize or manipulate something from nature. So aspirin, for example, has the active ingredient acetosilic acid, which is found in many plants, but it's patented as aspirin when it's synthesized and mixed with these, these other ingredients. So that's an example of manipulating nature and using that as a patent. Um, insulin, like we talked about earlier, is something that is naturally produced in a lot of organisms. Uh, back in the day when you couldn't uh, produce your own insulin, they would harvest it from livestock. Nowadays, they've created bacteria that produce insulin. And this is kind of a, a new organic way that it is synthesized in a lab. And this is an example of synthesizing something that is normally found in nature. But since you're creating it this way, it's something that you can patent. And then finally, this next way is kind of ambiguous, but it, it's isolating something from nature. For example, gene patenting. Now, you can make a whole podcast on gene patenting, but I'm just going to touch on it here. Uh, say you have a bacteria with a whole genome, but this bacteria can survive in the presence of penicillin. So in a lab, they go in and then they cut out this specific gene of penicillin resistance and then they, they replicated a bunch, and then all of a sudden they have a bunch of this, this, this sequence of, of genetic information that uh, codes for penicillin resistance. And here you have something that you can argue doesn't actually occur in nature in this isolated form. And so it's something you can, you can patent. Uh, I actually know someone uh, through the lab that I work with that 
co-owns a patent to a gene like this. And so it's, it's pretty cool. But there are a lot of ethical questions surrounding patenting things in nature. And I'm sure in the coming years, especially when research with uh, the human genome becomes more prevalent, uh, there'll be a lot of, of debate over you know, the ethics surrounding patenting. I also want to touch on a concept called biopiracy. Essentially, the definition of biopiracy and bioprospecting is the same, but biopiracy has more of a negative connotation, right? So bioprospecting, you have this word prospecting in it, uh, which you know brings to mind the ideals I mentioned before of innovation and discovery. Um, and biopiracy, on the other hand, you have that word piracy, which, which brings to mind you know, stealing um, and, and really highlights the, the personal gain of bioprospecting. Now, like I said before, and when we, I gave a brief history of bioprospecting, it's been around for, for thousands of years, but patenting, on the other hand, has not been around for as long. So there are countless treatments and medicines that people have used for a very long time that have not been patented. And it's become a practice for people to patent uh, for tr to try and patent these treatments that are essentially cultural knowledge, right? And that is that is also problematic because it um, that is clearly biopiracy, where it's it's something that you have not created, something that you're kind of stealing and, and making your own, and then patenting this. And uh, this is another uh, big problem, I think, when it comes to bioprospecting today. So now I want to voice my criticisms of bioprospecting, a lot of which I've already touched on, but I would just like to lay them out here. The first of which is the profit motive. The Bay Dole Act was very, very effective in incentivizing research, but it did set a certain um, a climate where people in research are focused on the incentive, the reward, the recognitions that they get from their research, and less so on the impact of their research. I'm also, like I mentioned before, not a fan of the high prices of pharmaceuticals and treatments that arise from these monopolies, for example, the um, insulin. And I also am not a fan of the way that these patents restrict the freedom of further research. So paradoxically, by allowing people the freedom to claim and monopolize their discoveries, you take away the public's freedom to freely use these, these discoveries, and you actually discourage further innovation and possibly prevent uh, the creation of future treatments and medicines. I'm also not a fan of the exploitation of nature. Um, I think it is great to use nature but there are instances where it can go too far. Actually, the, uh, there has been evidence that the population of horseshoe crabs uh, has been declining in the United States. And some labs claim that extracting the blood from these crabs and then releasing them into the wild doesn't do any harm to them, but research, more recent research has shown that a significant proportion of them actually die after a few days of being released. And obviously this is not good and it could lead to extinction if left un unchecked. Um, so thankfully there are regulations 
uh, when it comes to harvesting them to ensure that the ecosystem is not negatively impacted beyond repair. And I think more of these regulations need to be in place. Um, and finally, my biggest gripe, or one of my biggest gripes is that health is seen as a product and not a universal right. I know I touched on this before, but the climate that we've set up uh, with patenting and monopolies um, makes health a, a commodity and less so something that, you know, is, is, is something that everyone deserves and everyone has the right to. And so now that I've listed my criticisms, so what? How can we make a change? Um, to make the biggest change and to ensure that bioprospecting is really headed in the right direction, I think that we have to strive towards the ideals that I mentioned at the beginning, the ones that really, really fascinated, made me fascinated with bioprospecting. And to do this, bioprospectors and people working in the field have to be first be aware of the, the dangers of bioprospecting, right? Um, the criticisms, the exploitation of nature, the, uh, the negative effects that of monopolies and, and, and rising prices. And we have to be able to make sure that the rewards of bioprospecting, of course, the discoveries, the innovations are made accessible. And I know um, it can be extremely difficult to truly understand the scope of your research and its effects on everyday people when you're working in a lab all day, right? Because a lot of these people, um, in order to make these discoveries, you have to put in a lot of work and a lot of hours just kind of enclosed in a lab. And this is, this is the care careers for a lot of people. This is where they spend uh, all their time working. But I believe that it is very important that people that work in pharmaceuticals consider these things. And just as we have talked before on the podcast about holistic care and, and doctors being able to be sympathetic with their patients, those that work in pharmaceuticals and on the front lines of medical research must also be cognizant of the lives that their discoveries will affect. And I believe it's best when these discoveries come from a genuine desire to help others rather than a desire for uh, self-profit or reward. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the very first antibiotic, penicillin, which was discovered by Sir Alexander Fleming in 1928, um, and is produced by certain molds. Later, he transferred the patents to governments, allowing them to mass produce penicillin during World War II. And since then, penicillin has saved millions of lives, in part due to his willingness to look past his personal gain from controlling the product. And this focus on the greater good is precisely what is needed to make the biggest impacts on accessibility and public health. Now, I'm not saying patents in this field are bad. I think that they are necessary to provide incentive for research and innovation and offer much deserved rewards for people's contributions to science. However, a culture that places too big a value on personal gain will not always move forward in the best interests of the public's health and well-being. So perhaps it would be best for everyone if researchers strive towards discovery with the motive of improving all human life, a lot like how doctors work to adhere to principles in the Hippocratic Oath that they're required to take. Uh, ultimately, those that discover and invent new medicines and those that prescribe medicines all work towards the same goal, and that is preserving human life.
So in my hypothetical ideal world of bioprospecting, bioprospectors working in pharmaceutics are well-versed in the daily lives and traumas of patients. Many of them would have some sort of experience in a clinical setting. Perhaps a lot of them could be doctors or nurses who have transitioned to helping a greater number of people than they otherwise would have than through direct patient care. They would use their ingenuity and resourcefulness for the greater good of society before personal gain. Now, I might be optimistic, but I firmly believe that with the direction that bioprospecting is going, as long as we have those in the industry that are willing to stand up in the name of accessibility, public health, and the freedom of scientific exploration, the potential that biology could offer healthcare is near endless. So long to our fellow heme sapiens. We look forward to seeing you next time. Bye. And it goes a little yeah.